Hey, John Rubin, Managing Director of Flying V Theater. Yeah. Do you know the original cast is having a live podcast? I had heard that. You yes. had heard that, right, because we're doing it at the Flying V Awesome-a-thon. That is why I had heard. On <laughs> December 10th at 4.30 at 48.05 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, we are doing the first ever live original cast podcast with the cast of the Flying V musical, you or whatever I can get. And it's going to be, I mean, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm so excited about that. It's going to be an amazing experience, I think. Tickets are pay what you can. Yeah, it's a suggested donation at the door. Um, and that gets you in uh, whenever you want during that 24-hour period of the Awesome-a-thon. And uh, so you can come, you can go, uh, and just help us fundraise at the end of the year and also uh, help support Awesome Theater. And we should note there are no advanced Correct. reservations. It, it's, it is it's suggested donation, pay door. what you can. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to go and you want to come to see our live show specifically, you're going to have to time that out exactly right. I have, for those purposes, set up a Facebook uh, event page for the live podcast, so um, which you can go and say, I'm coming to this, so we can get a sense of how many people are, are, are going to be there. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Who, who is in uh, You or Whatever I Can Get? John Rubin? Uh, that cast was made up uh, Vaughn Irving, Doug Wilder, Farrell Parker, and Suzanne Edgar. And it was directed by. And it was directed by Flying V's founder and producing artistic director Jason Schlofstein, who was also one of the co-writers, and music directed by Steve Shabilsky, who was the sixth of those six, of the writers. six writers. Five of those six people will be with me on stage for the uh, live podcast. And uh, Vaughn Irving is actually uh, coming into the studio next. Actually, he's coming into the studio tomorrow. But it will be have been last week by the time you're hearing this <laughs> to record his segment of the live show. He's gonna he's gonna be in there via modern technology, and so everyone will be there in some capacity from this wonderful musical that got did so well it, at the Capitol Fringe Festival and then played at Silver Spring Black Box and it's just been it's currently a our, show. our most highly attended show in Flying V history. It's gonna be great, and we're all gonna sing. I'm all of us at the to... podcast, including myself, we're all going to sing. Jason's going to sing. That is a cast of amazing voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've known Jason for a long time now, and yeah. Jason does like to Jason sing. Jason likes to sing. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be awesome. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And each episode, we invite somebody who you'd see in the theater, either on stage, backstage, or in the house, to discuss an original cast album that they love. And today, we are joined by, we didn't figure out how to introduce you, so I'm just going to say it's John Rubin. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. How would you describe yourself, John? Uh, I would describe myself as a theater administrator and a fight choreographer. Go good. Specifically, uh, I am the theater manager for the Silver Spring Black Box, uh, formerly Roundhouse Silver Springs building. Uh, and I am also the managing director for Flying V. Right, which is how I've met you. Which is how you and I have met. And I'm also a freelance fight choreographer, which is really my passion. All right. Well, luckily you picked a show that has a lot of fighting in it. Um, I guess. Tell the people what you chose. Uh, I chose the last five years. Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. Jamie's decided it's time to move on. 
How did this show come into your uh, your life? I was trying to think about that earlier today and remember if it was the tail end of high school uh, or if it was early college, and I honestly don't remember. Uh, but someone gave me a CD of it uh, that they burned for me, uh, and I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy crap! This this show is fantastic. <laughs> uh, it it tells." A really clean story uh, in a way that I've never seen before in a show with the alternating timelines that cross in the middle right um, and uh, it's relatable to anyone who's ever been in a relationship that didn't succeed right just <laughs> hopefully everyone right um, and I just yeah I just completely fell in love with the show and it uh, is the show that I've probably seen and heard the most. Oh, really? Where have you seen it? Well, so I've only seen it once on stage, um, and it took me until two years ago. Is it the signature production? No, I missed the signature production, and oh. I was devastated. Oh I was like, oh, my God, here is this great production right. of this show, and I couldn't see it. Oh. Uh, and... I saw a community theater production of it in D.C. two years ago uh, at uh, the upstairs of a gay bar. Wow. Um, and it was, I knew the guy playing Jamie, and uh, that was about my only connection to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a very well done production, especially for like clear the clear budget restrictions and mm -hmm. everything that they were doing. Uh, it was actually my first real date with my current girlfriend. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, if you want to. Um, that's uh, a well, risk. I, I that had, is a risk. I, I mean, had gotten her into the music of it Okay, so she knew that. the show. Yeah. You so, didn't just, just... No, no. I, it wasn't gonna just go like, we're going to go see this show. Uh <laughs> no, I, I had uh, played some the music for her, and she had listened to it, and it became one of her favorite shows okay. uh, to listen so to. So you went to see it together exactly. more than you being like, I really like this thing. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's watch this about a relationship that really doesn't work really out. really doesn't work out. No. Um, <laughs> Let's give the folks at home who may not know the show a quick synopsis of the last five years. Okay. Uh, so the show begins... At the end of uh, Kathy, who is the female character in the show, it begins at the end of her relationship with Jamie, and it begins at the beginning of Jamie's relationship with Kathy. And as the show progresses, uh, Kathy goes backwards in time through the relationship. Jamie goes forwards in time through the relationship. They meet in the middle. Uh, at their wedding. At their wedding. Um, and the you know the basic who is more into the relationship and who is not is that constant push and pull throughout mm -hmm. because it, you get to see that change uh both of them clearly have faults right. and lead in their own ways to the end of that relationship so the show has 15 songs mm -hmm. it appears to me with a couple that are 
two songs in one yes. that kind of overlap, like the la- the finale, Goodbye Until Tomorrow and I Can Never Rescue You. Two and, songs, but are like the uh, one. Uh, um, America Way Happened, yes. and yeah, When You Come Home to Me, Climbing Up Hill in the Audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the very songs that, that slide together. Um, yeah, and it is an interesting, as you say, it's very, very simple. And, what's, and it's also very, what's, what's funny about it to me is you have, and it's music and lyrics, by, and I don't think anyone's credited with a book in this musical. I could be wrong, but if, 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 if it is, it's, it's, it is, okay, so it's book, music, and lyrics by Jason yeah, Robert Brown. I thought so. And it is ostensibly based on his five-year marriage with Teresa O'Neill. Correct. However, he has denied that at every turn. Right. I think because she threatened to sue him at one point Probably. about the fact that the, the Kathy was very close, resembled her a lot in Chicago uh, when they did it originally. And he actually changed Jamie's first song because of mm-hmm. how much it, it resembled her. Um, so that's a safe thing for him to do. But it, it seems too, I mean, it's it's too perfect. It, right. it, it's clearly at least heavily inspired by his first marriage, yes. um, if, if not based on exactly. And it is after... You know, he started his career with Songs for a New World, which is a very stripped-down, four-character song cycle. I should say also, Songs for New World, directed by Daisy Prince. Harold Prince's uh, daughter. Then went to Parade, which is full tilt Harold Prince Broadway musical. Parade to Urban Cowboy. Um, I think I've got that chronology correct. Uh, which was a, you know, based on the film, and he wrote some. That was tons of people wrote music for that. And I'm sitting good and high in the saddle, and I'm thinking that I'm right where I belong. You know, it don't get better than this. I know, but I know. Sure as those hills are made to climb No, it don't get better than this I know, and I know It's just a matter of time And that was not a success, uh, to say the very least. And Parade was, I mean, Parade was a huge hit. Parade, he won a Tony. It was big, you know, big, actually, it didn't run for a ton of time, but it is a lasting show. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he goes back down to this stripped-down Daisy Prince, bunch of two people in a garage, you know, in a basement theater, smaller orchestra. He plays piano on the recording, mm-hmm. just like he does in the Songs for New World recording. And it is sort of a return to form in a really interesting way for him, I think, mm-hmm. um, in this very intimate... And as you say, simple story. Um, so my first question would be, I guess, what about it grabbed you so much? Do you think? 
Uh, a few things, I think. Uh, for one, uh, it is a interreligious relationship. Oh, okay. Um, which uh, is a point of contention that has been uh, that I have had with my parents of previous relationships. Oh, okay. I, I am Jewish. You're Jewish. The son of a rabbi. Oh, wow. Uh, and was raised in a very observant, conservative family. Okay. A uh, religiously conservative right. family. Um, and I feel I need to clarify well, that. You, you in, ca- I mean, in, yeah, in not only yeah, uh, in political current life, But yes, that is a, that is a classification of Judaism. Right. So um, you were conservative. Yes. Okay. Uh, but a very observant, conservative mm-hmm. family. I grew up keeping Shabbat and mm-hmm. keeping kosher and, you know, so on and so forth. Um and in college, I dated someone who was not Jewish. Uh, and was she? she was atheist. Oh, dear. She went all, no, you went all the way. Yeah. She had no uh, religious No affiliation. affiliation. She was a free agent. Uh, and it led to a lot of contention between me and my parents. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as that relationship came and went mm-hmm. um, and did so in large part because she was not Jewish and I knew oh, that okay. this was going to be a bigger problem mm-hmm. moving forward past uh, past college. Um, it, it was kind of knowing that that wasn't going to go anywhere was what got my parents to kind of be okay with her. Uh, oh, I see. Term. Um, so before it ended, a tenuous peace was struck? Yes. Of sorts? Okay. Uh, but they also weren't disappointed when it ended. Right. Um, huh. And then my relationships since have uh, both been with people whose fathers have been Jewish and their mothers have not, which uh, huh. if you are uh, familiar with the conservative and orthodox uh delineation they're not really jewish then that is uh that outlook yeah um they're not culturally jewish i should say your mother has to be jewish in order for you to be jewish correct that is that is the party line so yeah that's a good and that is yeah no that's good Um, yeah that's a a good and uh so that this idea of you know and and so you were now dating girls who, well, may have been raised, were they raised? I mean, they were... Generally, they were, with both of them, they were raised, like, with it being a kind of minimal part of their life. Okay. Um, that they were uh, both raised more on the Christian side. Okay. And, oh, I see. Um, kind of ended up somewhere in, in the, the middle. with both. Not really feeling religiously pulled one way or the other, mm-hmm. uh, a sense of spirituality, but not really feeling connected per se to one or the other. Right. Um, which, of course, between the three of those relationships in a row, mm-hmm. uh, each one in its own way l- led to my uh, constant amusement with Chicks a Goddess. Yeah, I would imagine so. If you had a tattoo, that wouldn't matter. If you had a shaved head, that'd be cool. If you came from Spain or Japan or the back of the van, just as long as you're not from Hebrew school. I say now I'm getting somewhere. I'm finally breaking through. 
I say, hey, hey, shakes a goddess. I've been waiting for someone like you. I have a very complicated rela- relationship with my own religion and my own religiosity and mm-hmm. spirituality anyway. And okay. I have for, yeah, I don't know, 15 years now. Sure. Um, and we'll save that for my other podcast, Religion, Politics, and the Great Pumpkin. But, right. Um, yeah. But so with the, all of that, um, it became less and less important as mm-hmm. I aged to specifically be dating somebody who was Jewish in the way that my parents would view that as mm-hmm. important. As um, okay. And so with all of that being said, uh, so that we don't delve into that other podcast right. of yours. Right. Um, it's uh, something which I have always found uh, that to not be the most important thing. Okay. Um, and as I have gotten older and gone through more relationships, less and less important uh, to, in some regards. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's how you're raised. Yeah. So it's, always, it's in there somewhere, and there right. certainly is a familiarity with it. And I think, so I was raised Catholic and I'm Catholic. And I never, God, hang on, <laughs> thinking, thinking. So I dated maybe three girls who weren't Catholic, which would come from the fact that I did a Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, I went to a to, Jewish day school. I went to Catholic university for college, mm-hmm. and that's where I met my wife. So that was it for me. Sure. Um, so most of the girls I dated were Catholic mm-hmm. um, because that was my that was my pool. That was where I was drawing from. Sure. So this is not, and it was anyone I dated who wasn't Catholic was Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally non-practicing, sort of, you know, basic, you know, yes. non-denominational Christian. Um, so it was never an issue on either side. I never dated anybody who was super, you know, whose parents were like super mad they were dating a Catholic and my, my parents didn't, didn't care. Um, so it was, that was never something I've, I've ever experienced. And, but it is, it is that thing. And especially having married someone who's Catholic, it it isn't, it is not something that has entered my life in any kind of conceivable way. Um, but it is interesting that there's this familiarity that you have with somebody. I think Judaism and Catholicism are very similar in that immediately immediately birthed out of the other. other, Absolutely. (laughs) But they have this, this cultural similarity of that you can convert all well yeah but it is it's the thing if you can convert all you want but you will always be i mean for me you will always be catholic i will Mm -hmm. always be catholic and i've said this to friends of mine who have converted and i don't mean it as an offense like i don't mean to be offensive you're catholic it's baked into your being because it invades every aspect of your life in one way or another catholicism's really good at getting in and every having an opinion about everything and especially when you go to catholic school sure. it's your whole day 40 hours a week you know you mm-hmm. so and i've always felt that judaism was kind of the same way where it so. is it is a cultural identity beyond a religious identity so that even when you separate yourself from it you know if i if i was in a room with somebody who also went to catholic school the two of us could talk for 45 minutes without stopping about nuns, confirmation or confession and things like that. These are hallmarks that we share. And mm-hmm. similarly, people who are raised Jewish, I have heard, go on and on about uh, various aspects of Judaism, Absolutely. some of which I've heard of, like bar mitzvahs and things like that, but other ones that are totally alien to me, sure. that they share this, you know, good jokes about Tuvishvat and things like that. Right. I've just remembered the words. I don't know what they all mean, That's but okay. they're good jokes. So what do you... 
this is so funny because this show there's like there's a lot to dig into and I don't want to jump right to the end where there's right. like there's some stuff there's, I want to save. There's so many things. There's so many things to, to talk about into in because this show and that's because even why though it I is it. yeah even though it is so simple, I really have to say the first thing that impressed me was how cleanly the structure works because mm. it's a gimmicky construction. Sure. And it could go sideways on you very quickly. Most Absolutely. shows that run backwards in any way, like, and I think of Merrily We Roll Along, which I'm going to be talking about soon with Paul Scanlon, has this issue to me where I don't really know why it's going backwards. Right. I like it. I like the show. I like the score. I like the story. I like all that. But usually something runs backwards to as a comment on look at where they began and look at how either how foolish or how wide-eyed sure. or something and to comment on it because when you know this is all going to go terribly and end happily and it's running backwards it, it, there's this terrible sense of doom yeah but this show doesn't have that no because one of them is going forwards right and, but it also has I think besides the fact that one of them is going forwards it has this cyclical nature to it sure where the last the, the last thing that happens chronologically, in, and even in the show, where they say goodbye, which is a super sad moment, super is sad. Jamie leaving the letter mm-hmm. that then Kathy sings about in the opening yeah, number, the, the opening, yeah. in Still Hurting. And that, to me, makes this very tight circle, that like this show feels like a closed loop in yeah, a lot of ways. I agree. Which has its own kind of existential crisis about it, but it is, it, it doesn't feel gimmicky to me. It feels like, oh, here's the, like, I, I now, I now understand this relationship mm-hmm. in a very complete way because I've seen it from both sides. And I think it would be a super sad and depressing awful show if it was told in either direction cleanly. I agree. Either forward, both going forward or both going backward. It would be devastatingly awful yeah because, because of how it runs it, it is a very sad uh, ending yeah. to the show and, mm-hmm. and beginning to the show yeah um and i think it's constantly countered by the fact that you have essentially every other song with a couple exceptions one of them is happy yes um and as you get to the middle of the show one they're both kind of in that less happy state right that Anybody who has, again, been through a relationship that mm-hmm. has, you have seen the writing on the wall before it has ended. That terrible. Uh, you terrible both limbo. get to that f- place where you're like, I'm still pushing forward, but this is clearly not working. Yeah. It and is. they get to that in this show, which I think makes it so truthful mm-hmm. and th- so honest. Um, but we're only, we don't linger there. Right. Um, we don't linger anywhere. Right. And it is sort of the core of that middle song, the next 10 minutes. It really is a great number, middle number for this show. Will you share your life with me Forever. for the next 10 lifetimes So the construction really does aid our understanding of these two characters and of the two characters. I mean, mm-hmm. really in that it's like really just the two of them. Yeah. So do you think it would work as well? It's a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think the show would work as well if we reversed 
if he started. He had chosen to go the other way with the two characters, still going forwards and backwards. So, but so we end, or we start with we start with the Jamie leaving Jamie. and Kathy. Now, obviously, I am assuming in this context he would have made that decision and written a score that would work that way. Of course, because he has constru- the other reason the show really works is because he's constructed an arc of a score where the closing number does feel like a closing number and the opening number feels like an opening yes, number. Absolutely. So let's assume he reversed he still it. He did. He reverse engineered it. Do you think this show would be as effective if Jamie was going backwards and Kathy was going forwards, or is there a reason why? They are, one's going one way and one's going the other. It probably could be just as effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would probably be less sure of who, or I'm sorry, more sure of who was at fault. In really? This. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I think the with the current structure, there's... There's this idea that uh, we start off sympathetic towards Kathy and hopeful for Jamie, Mm -hmm. uh, and we end still sympathetic towards Kathy because of where we've seen her come from, but also sympathetic towards Jamie. And I think if we reversed that, since he's the one who cheats, then I think we would go in feel it like we wouldn't have that sympathy built up I see what you mean so you think if Jamie if like because that is it would be the second song right Um, Um, (laughs) actually yeah it'd be the second song kind of let's just second song let's just let's just yeah assuming we're we're going just backwards well let's take events but let's just take events like even if you take change of song the second thing that would happen is that Jamie cheats on Kathy and from there on I think we would find that we are not sympathetic towards Jamie, right. no matter how wonderful the relationship started for him. Right. Uh, whereas going in that opposite order, going in the order the show was actually written, right. by the time we get to that, we have seen his rise and seen his decline uh, and were invested in him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Kathy, I think really Kathy could probably go in either direction. Jamie can only go f- forward. For I them say, both to be sympathetic for the, With the plot being the way it is, right. Jamie has to get... We have to see all that happens before he cheats. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what... Do you find any other kind of purpose to Kathy going backwards? Because if she's more... Do you think she's more sympathetic if she's going forwards, or is she more sympathetic going backwards? Uh, I think... Because I think you're right. I think Jamie is definitely more sympathetic going forwards. I you, think she's probably more sympathetic going backwards. Why is that? Because you immediately start feeling for this person who has just lost their love. So the implication, therefore, being, though, that if she was running the other way... I think you would still get there. You would still get there, okay. Because, I mean, in general, I feel like as a society, as a culture, we tend to sympathize with the person who has been cheated on as opposed to the cheater. I see. Um, So I think you would... And I think that's totally reasonable. Right. <laughs> Just throwing that out there <laughs> as a feeling. John Rubin comes down hard on <laughs> people who are cheated on. Um, they got what they deserved. Uh, but I think you start off immediately sympathetic um, towards Kathy. Yeah, because she doesn't quite tell the truth. Right. And that's... It, it's a really... 
I I I think another thing that the 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 construction, the forwards and backwards construction, prevents you from doing is getting a really firm grasp on these two, mm -hmm. which makes you keep thinking about them, which is what's really interesting yeah. about it. Um, because Kathy says at the beginning, you know, um, covered with scars, I did nothing to earn. She has these lyrics that are very poor me, mm -hmm. not in a overtly kind of saccharine way, like genuinely sad poor me. Right. And, and which I think is very truthful to that moment of absolutely. I've just had this trust broken, and so on and so forth. Right. And it is very much that feeling of this has happened to me, um, with very little looking back on did I play any part in getting here? Mm -hmm. um, which I think the show shows that she did. Uh, which doesn't justify Jamie, but it I think helps them both end up as sympathetic and non-sympathetic characters simultaneously. Like, you you feel for them, but you also are like, neither of you are perfect here. You both led to the relationship failing. Mm -hmm. You weren't actually the perfect match that you both think that you're going to be. Okay. Uh, but you... Uh, but they end up with this feeling of not um, not neither of them wants to accept the blame. So I think in order to to correctly talk about these two people, mm -hmm. I, I think you have to examine the show from the outsides in. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Because you have cat, like they kind of make their closing statements on either end of this show. Absolutely. Kathy makes her closing statement. Jamie arrived at the end of the line. Jamie's convinced that the problems are mine. Jamie is probably feeling just fine. And I'm still. This is all very clearly all his fault. He makes the statement at the end, and it's the name of the song. And I could never rescue you. All you ever wanted, but I could never rescue you. No matter how I tried, all I could do love you hard and let you go so my question then becomes and this is as a writer my primary interest in this sort of thing when I am piqued by characters like this which is what I love I love characters above mm -hmm. everything else do you think this relationship had a shot I think probably uh, oh, come on John you gotta be you yeah gotta no I, I saying I, yes I, I think okay I, Yes. Of course, probably. <laughs> well, well <laughs> I think yes, mm -hmm. in the same way that most relationships have the potential to work uh, or have the potential to fail miserably. Okay, so backing up, then let me let me narrow that question a little bit. Do you think this show this relationship had a higher degree of difficulty than the average? Relationship. What I'm basically trying to uh, to get at 
is and maybe we should back up to the sins then for that is like how how much of a shot this relationship had from the jump or is there anything we know based on where they started that this was just never never gonna work if if assuming life takes the trajectory it takes i mean sure. i, I want to remove the outside influences from this because right. this is a story about one thing we didn't mention is this is a story about jamie wellerstein is a when we meet him up-and-coming writer who becomes a wildly successful novelist Extremely. overnight much in the same way that jason robert brown was an up-and-coming composer and became a wild success overnight quote unquote <laughs> and uh kathy chronologically speaking is a struggling actress and never gets beyond that she right. that we see she is doing summer stock in ohio she does it again later in the show which right. is just so sad and um that's as far as she she gets mm -hmm. in this thing and so all things being equal these two people he still achieves success and she doesn't in their career do you think they would have made it th there was a chance for them to make it if each of them had made better decisions or do the outside circumstances guide them in such a way that it was kind of die no matter what they did and i'm asking for a 5149 kind of analysis here sure. obviously there's you can parse that in a trillion different ways but do you think it's more them or what happens to them that dooms the relationship my perhaps it is optimism uh is that yes it could have worked mm -hmm. um with these two people because we see it happen not that infrequently where one person in a couple is famous mm -hmm. and one is not mm -hmm. uh, and they do just fine um, I don't think that the fame specifically uh, is in and of itself what ends this relationship I think um, Kathy's inability to accept that uh, she's not progressing in the way that she wants to mm -hmm. Um, and kind of having it in the way that she views it flaunted to her that Jamie is so successful and Jamie on the flip side feeling weighed down by that uh, that attitude from Kathy uh, I'm glad you phrased it that way yeah that's I think that's uh, right leads to him distancing himself and then you know making terrible decisions right um so i think at a number of points throughout that if one or the other of them had communicated better <laughs> with each other um as to what they were actually concerned about what the core of their problem was uh in the relationship and with the other person then i think they would be that much more likely to have succeeded um you you really which which is also to say that um they didn't really set themselves up for success why not uh because of these decisions that both of them made like at each point you know you have the fork in the road and you go right or you go left right each time they kind of because it's a much more interesting show right uh took the, take the wrong fork right take take the route where instead of like hey this is a problem it's 
I'm going to hold on to this problem until it's too late, and yeah. I'm going to go do this thing, and I'm going to ignore that thing, and I'm going to uh, make this decision, and your thoughts and feelings be damned. Well, you did say the $64,000 word to me, which is communication, because sure. what's hilariously ironic about this show is that, with very few exceptions, these are songs sung by one character to the other mm -hmm. character, with them ostensibly in the room listening to this song. Right. Usually when it's staged, it's stage one and one and they're singing to the audience. But most of Jamie's songs are sung to Kathy and we right. never hear her half. And most of Kathy's songs are sung to Jamie and we never hear his half. It's a lot of internal monologue, it feels like. Well, it's, right. It's that moment when you're in that relationship that's going poorly or that's going super well, but... I think especially the ones, uh, the songs that are more about the where it's going poorly, where they, you're you're running through all of the thoughts in your head of, this is where, you know, this is what I want to say, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling, but I'm not going to necessarily actually say it to you because if they actually said it, then they would be communicating. Well, but with the, a couple exceptions, see, the thing where is, they do, but they're say not it. communicating. This is, I think, this is my point that. So, with the exception of still hurting, even though it's a, which is Kathy singing to Jamie, but in an ethereal way, she knows he's not going to hear right. what she's saying. Um, so, still hurting, moving too fast, I'm a part of that, climbing uphill, nobody needs to know, and I could never rescue you. So, that's six songs, so a little fewer than half. The rest are actually sung to the person in the room. Yes. But since we don't hear their response to me, that is not communication. Sure. That is monologuing. Right. Like I am telling you how I'm feeling. I agree. And I am getting no response. Now, let's get into this idea a little bit about the, their sort of, whatever you want to call it, their original sins or their, or their tragic flaws. What do you think, and I want to stick with Kathy a little bit because okay. we, we've been very nice to Kathy, so let's stop it. What, um, <laughs> what's her... What's her Sin, do you think? Uh, I think Kathy's largest flaws are uh, one that she is she has very low self esteem. Okay, um, and that leads to jealousy because it's you know well that person has this mm -hmm. and I want that. I think the uh, the song at the audition is. I was going to say when you come that. home to me is. Um, yeah. And climbing uphill. So Kathy's original sin, you're saying, is uh, or her 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 fatal flaw is that her her insecurity. I, I think that is her fatal flaw. I I'm not sure that I would call it her sin. Right, um, right. And the tragic flaw is probably. It, better. I think yeah. it it is her tragic flaw. Yeah. Is her severe sin's an insecurity. Yeah. Okay. Um, whereas Jamie, it is, um, he is a workaholic to the detriment of those around him. Okay. Um, huh. I think that is among his, his flaws. Right. Um, but the, um, I think you, I think you've hit the nail on the head with Kathy about where her, the root of her issues, mm -hmm. the thing she never talks about is her insecurity. Right. The thing she never cops to is yes. her insecurity. And Agreed. I think that's what, that's the theme running through a lot of the songs, especially when she's at her worst. And I think that, reveals her tragic flaw. Mm -hmm. But Jamie, you're right. He is a workaholic. And that is a problem. 
As it's we sort only of hear, a problem because it's at the detriment of everything else. But I don't think that's the issue because there's only one song about him being a workaholic, which is um, a part of that. Next day, it's just like it never happened. We're making dinners, we're making plans. Then he gets on the mule train to Jamie Land. Kathy sings and she kind of it ends in that question like I'm a part of that aren't I and it kind of ends in this open question does she really believe that she's a part of it or not I I think whether she is or not is unimportant if if she believes she's a part of it she's part of it it really doesn't make any difference and I think Jamie would say she is a part of it whether that's true or not also that's what you say but I think Jamie and what I started to say about how this is being very autobiographical this show goes out of its way to paint Jamie as a bad dude yeah in the effort, I believe, of Jason Robert Brown, because I do believe it is autobiographical, to be fair, yes. he highlights Jamie's bad actions. Jamie does a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. But Jamie's fatal flaw to me is what he says at the end, that he says to her, I could never rescue you. All you ever wanted, and I could never rescue you, no matter how I tried. I don't think that's what she wanted. No, I don't think it Jamie is. Jamie had this... He, he definitely does... You're absolutely right. He has uh, this idea... It's not It's not a martyr complex. There's no, a, there's no. A, there's it's, a, it's a... I mean, it's a, a white hero knight complex. hero complex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was like, there's another word. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a hero complex. A hero complex. Um, Kathy has a little bit of a martyr complex, yes. but that's, again, not her problem. Uh, Jamie has a hero yeah, complex. Yeah, he, he has this hero complex if he needs to come and save her um, and help pull her up through his successes you know the the song uh, where he says you don't need to you don't need to go to back to ohio you can just or you don't need to be a waitress anymore you can just focus on acting because i'm successful now because i say na 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 kathy you get to be happy na 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 give you unlimited time Here's a headshot guy and a new backstage Where you're right for something on every page Take a breath, take a step, take a chance Take your time Very much the, like, I just want to fix your problems Right, which Uh, is a very male issue That, like, tell me what your problem is, okay, I can fix it And everything will be better And her problems, very much to Jason Robert Brown as the author's credit are very amorphous sure, and very internal and not expressed thoroughly, which would be her sin, I think, is not is not speaking up until it's too late. And you kind of see her do it in See, I'm Smiling, where she says, oh, I didn't know you had to go so soon. I thought, well, it's fine. And she says, whatever, if you have to, then you have to. And then she, like, immediately goes, I, you know, I'm sorry, can I say this? Like, And she immediately starts to, right. because it's too much. I mean, she, she should have spoken up a year ago, probably, or two years ago. Right. But, like, she has to talk now. It, it, it's all far too much. Um, Though, I will say, uh, in a point against her, the way that she goes about bringing it up is... Uh, Again, not well, we're really too late. I mean, it's an worse. Effect, effective way. Absolutely it's, not, yeah. it's the explosion at the point where 
he's already distanced. Right. Um, and she's distanced, and it is that, um, let me throw all of this back on you. Right. Because um, I think Kathy would have agreed with what you first said. Jamie's problem was that he was a workaholic and a little self-obsessed. Because she says in that song, it's all right. about you and you and nothing, but you, you know, marvelous, marvelous right. you. But that's not... But that's also her perception. That's what I mean. That's the thing. Is yeah. That's not quite right. She And this is the thing about this show being about bad communications. These two people, at the end of the day, do not know each other very well. No. And certainly not as well. Well, they jump in so quickly uh, mm-hmm. and then, like... And I think the show, in the way that it jumps back and forth, it, you feel like it's going even quicker uh, in their yes. relationship. Um it's a tight show. I mean, it's like what ninety less yeah, than ninety minutes. It's, it's a it's tight show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, it, so it's you get that rush, that exhilaration of mm-hmm. like new relationship. It's going great, uh, and you keep that mm-hmm. for almost the entire show because for one or the other of them, it is it is that new relationship rush. It's right. the honeymoon period. Right almost throughout the whole show for one of them. And for the other, it's the, this is the worst thing ever, why am I still right. here? Depending on, yes, because they're moving in opposite right. directions. I mean, it's really funny to me that they both start, their, their, birth, their chronological first relationship song is bad, is a good warning sign. Because right. his is Shiksa Goddess where he's like, the only thing he likes about her is that she's not Jewish. And he goes to great lengths to describe how not Jewish, how not actually Jewish. not even how not Jewish she is, how Jewish everyone else is that right. he's ever in dated. Yeah. yeah. Whereas her opening is telling him not to talk. Don't kiss me goodbye again Leave this night clean and quiet You want the last word You want me to laugh, but leave it for now. Just saying, you know, just like, just let this moment hang. Just don't say anything, Mm -hmm. which is a hilarious, ironic statement when, like, at the end, he won't talk to chronologically. He will not talk to her, and that is that's all she wants. That's all she wants is for him to talk. And it is this, like, they're both starting in the wrong place. They're right. both they're both not this was which is why I sort of I do have this feeling that this relationship was never gonna work. That these two people were wrong for each other from the jump. And like you say, because when the honeymoon Period wears off. Right. Yeah. But they also have their an incorrect view about how these relationships works. Because Jamie's song, when he proposes to her, while super sweet, is unbelievably naive. Will you share your life with me? For the next ten minutes, for the next ten minutes, we can handle that. Sure. With this statement of, like, all we have to do is get through the next ten minutes, right. and then and the, the next, next ten, ten minutes, minutes, and the next ten minutes, and we can do that for eternity. Well, as mathematically that is true, <laughs> that is not how brains work. Like, right. our human, and his brain doesn't work that way either. I mean, this is no, like, he is, because he, he wants to throw a lot on Kathy about about planning too much for the future and, and saying a lot of things that aren't true and all this sort of... He, he likes to hit her for that. Mm-hmm. But he's absolutely the same oh. way. He is absolutely thinking two steps ahead all the time. I mean, you hear it in the song, Moving Too Fast. He is absolutely like, this is all... Go- I don't have time to think. This is happening too fast. Right. And then, of course, it catches up with him as these things... As they do. Always do. What is your favorite song in this show? Uh... For a lot of reasons, Chicks a Goddess. Uh, okay. 
That's a great song. I mean, I'm, I'm right. no fault there. Um, but I think that's, again, because, like, it amuses me and I have personal connections to, like, that song and moments in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's really hard to choose a favorite in this. Uh, I love Nobody Needs to Know because mm-hmm. it so is so sad. Oh, my God. Um it is it is it is a heartbreaking song um it is a devastatingly heartbreaking yeah i think of all the and it's interesting that like these songs that are literally the second and second to last songs in the show are the ones ones that i'm most drawn to i think nobody needs to know is beautiful and tragic because but in in the way that it threads this really really tiny needle Mm -hmm. of like this guy has just cheated on the only other character in this show and you have to look at her like and you have sympathy for her and you should you like both of them and you like them and you do you do kind of spend your time wondering what's the thing that broke this as the show's going on you're kind of like okay obviously this relationship ended but nothing's happened yet that makes me go there's this this couldn't be repaired and then you see the thing where like oh this right. is the thing that this this is never going to make it but it's also how blunt the lyrics are about mm-hmm. literally what is happening right. in the room in a way that is very uncomfortable for the audience, and yes. on purpose, he, he as like I say, Jason Ralph Brown is not shy from making his this, and I think his male lead. What I love terrifying. about it, uh, you know, I and this goes into the the fight choreography stuff. Like I love that moment of the audience being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, so long as it pays off, right? Um, and I think it does. And it does absolutely. Um, it pays off in the second line of the song, or third, yeah. where, he, where he says, we should get up, kid Kathy is waiting, and you realize he's not, and again, that he's, not with, he's not with Kathy. This scene starts like every other scene. Hey, kid, good morning. You look like an angel. I don't remember when we fell asleep. We should get up, kid. Kathy is waiting. Your heart sinks. And it's beautifully ending that stanza. So we have this little musical refrain to get us onto the next bit. And you kind of, because it, it is that aha moment of like, oh, this is, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to make it. And it is also a real testament to how the song that comes before it, I Can Do Better Than That, is such a happy, yes. happy, it may be the happiest song on the show. It's not the most exciting, but it is this genuine, like, it's kind of her I want song mm-hmm. comes all the way at the end, of course, because it's chronological right. backwards. But it's her statement of like, this is where I've come from and this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And these are the mistakes I've made. And, you know, I've, I've learned. You don't have to get a haircut. You don't have to change your shoes. You don't have to like Duran Duran. Just love me. That's all it is. Just love me. And he does that. Mm-hmm. That's literally all he does for most of the right. show is love her. And she, which is so, oh my God, John, I just realized. <laughs> he says, All I could do was love you hard and let you go. Right. Which is all she ever wanted. God, this is a well-written show. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's they. Oh man, it is. That's I so think, great. I think what I love, what I really love about this 
show is that it is so clearly the relationship of two ships passing in the night. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it is told chronologically and reversed chronologically makes it that much clearer that it's two ships passing in the night. But their well, relationship really is that idea of, like, they're going, they're going, they're going, and just when one, like... Yeah, yeah, just when they catch... Just when they could intersect and it, stay intersecting. And it does. It intersects for the briefest of moments, right. and then it, then they're but off. But then they're, they go... Can, they Literally in a boat, off. also, I should right. say. They're literally in Central that's, Park that's, in a boat. That's the thing that happens. It's just funny that you said that, that, uh, that word. I mean, it is a... Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the... It's so fascinating to me that you could construct a show like this, which is, as I say, it's a gimmicky way to construct a show, and it not only doesn't get in the way, it 100% mm-hmm. enhances my experience Absolutely. in enjoying the show. Well, this is great, John. Thank you so much. What do you have coming up? What do you got to plug? Uh, I'm currently choreographing a, a show for Lumina Studio Theater, a production of Lear that's not till January. Uh, I just choreographed for Quotidian Theater for um, The Night Alive, uh, which I believe is still running, um, though I think it closes very soon. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. The original cast is having its very first live show on December 10th at 4.30 p.m. at 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland as part of the Flying V Awesome-a-thon. Suggest a donation at the door, pay what you can. No advance tickets will be on sale. For more information, please visit unknownpenguin.com slash live. You can email the original cast at originalcastpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the original cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to John Rubin for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. <laughs>